right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. The Eagles had a nice little uh, 10-day bye. You know, Thursday night football plays into it. Had a little little break after that game against the Bucks, but now we're back at it. We're on the road heading out to Vegas for the first time to take on those Las Vegas Raiders at the uh, the old Death Star Stadium. And uh, there's only one person I would have on to come <laughs> on to Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia to talk about those Vegas Raiders, and that's my good man, Mitchell Renz from Chat Sports. What's going on, man? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, man, it's been a very, very long time. I don't even know the last time I was on. It's probably back in like 2017, 2018. I feel like it's even probably back then when all I did was fantasy football. Yep. Now doing a lot of doing a lot of cool Raiders stuff over at Chat Sports. If you guys want to come check it out, uh, I would definitely appreciate it. We're getting close to 100,000 subs, so we're, we're definitely grinding away, but – this game is a very close game to my heart because growing up in central Pennsylvania, shout out to the 570 a lot. And I mean, a lot of my friends are big time Eagles fans. And, you know, you guys are very, very chirpy, very passionate fans. And I always tell people there's probably three fan bases out there, maybe two fan bases that remind me of the passion that Raider Nation brings Bill's Mafia and then the fans from Philly. So, like, I'm ready to get this game underway, and uh, I got a lot, a lot of side bets with some of my buddies. So we'll we'll see who comes out on top. Yeah, what well, the last time Mitch was on the show was when we had one of our fantasy shows that's now turned over into a different show, and that was back in like 2018. So it's good to have you back on, and you've been crushing it with the Raiders coverage with Chat Sports. So there was only one way to go, and of course with those those Pennsylvania ties, I had to get you on here as well. <laughs> um, but obviously, let's talk about you know. Interim head coach Rich Bisaccia doing the damn thing, gets his first win as interim head coach. A lot of people yep. have phenomenal things to say about him and the way that he's been able to, you know, kind of grab a hold of the reins after everything and the the Gruden debacle with his emails. Uh, what did you like from what you saw from Bisaccia in his first game as interim head coach? Bisaccia to me kind of took over this team, and I'm going to put on like a father figure to a very young football team. and everybody rallied around him and I think the most telling thing to anybody out there that followed Basaccia for a long time so he's been coaching since 1983 and he got his start at Wayne State then he actually got his very first start in the NFL in 2002 when he was a part of Gruden's staff and then when he literally said out loud I am the coach of the Las Vegas Raiders and he got emotional and I like when you see coaches players show emotion because I think far too often interviews anymore just they're afraid to say anything and you could tell that he was fired up for this game. And then you heard all the players like all week, they're like, oh, we're going to rally behind Basaccia. We're going to rally behind him. He had a few of his old players like come out and say like he's been the best coach, the best mentor they've ever had. And then actually I thought it was kind of a funny quote where, you know, Gruden's got this reputation, if you will, for being mean, Chucky. Like if you screw up, I'm going to get in your face. And one of the things that Josh Jacobs said was like everyone on the sideline was like calm and collected. Everyone was like, all right, you know, we made a mistake. It's all good. Let's go on to the next play. And I was very pleased from what I saw from Basaccia, very pleased from what I saw from offensive coordinator Greg Olson. And I really liked how I really think like this team, a young team, rallied behind them. And at the end of the day, any win counts. I know the Broncos have been struggling, but in the, in the NFL, a win is a win. And if you can come away with one, you know, I think the Raiders right now are looking at it. We're 1-0, and not 4-2. and Especially in that division, too, that is just a, an absolute oh, juggernaut yeah. this year. No, I mean, it's – you can say what you want about the Chiefs. As long as they got Patrick Mahomes, uh, they're going to be a favorite as far as I'm concerned. The Chargers, Justin Herbert, I mean, what they've been able to do is pretty special. 
Now Denver obviously has fallen off four straight losses after that loss on Thursday night football to, to the Browns. But I still feel like, like that's a team where if they just had a little bit more of a quarterback, maybe some, maybe some of their playmakers didn't go down, it could be a different thing or two. But the Raiders are ready to ball out, and I'm excited to see what they can do. But the AFC is definitely no slouch. I wish we were in a division like the NFC East. but hey. <laughs> I think everybody does, unless you're in the, uh, the AFC South, where it's South. like a 2D yeah. race. Um, I think one thing I took away from watching that Raider game under Basaccia for the first time was they really utilized the running game and utilized the running backs a lot more yeah. than what Gruden did. Uh do you think that's going to be a trend moving forward for Bisaccia the rest of the season to utilize guys like Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, and Peyton Barber across the board? Or do you think it'll be more tailored towards Josh Jacobs getting more touches like I think a lot of people expected of him coming into the season? Well, I think the, the biggest thing why the Raiders weren't running the ball like, like Gruden wanted to is because that offensive line. So since – PFF started documenting run blocking grades, which was back in 2006. Right now, the Raiders are on pace to have the worst run blocking offensive line, and it's actually not even close. Like, their grade right now is 35.6, and I don't sit here and say PFF is the end-all, be-all, but I do credit their offensive line and grading system. I know a few people that work there, and I know they put in a lot of hard work, but then the second worst all-time would be like 43. I don't know, man. I just can't even imagine coming home from a test and putting up a 35 test and be like, hey, Dad check this out put like, that one on the fridge right like even like get the hell out of here kind of thing so I know the Raiders wanted to be able to run the ball I do anticipate them using Kenyon Drake a little bit more it's definitely one thing that Basaccia really wanted to get involved especially in the passing game but the one thing that the Raiders are going to continue to do what they did last week is a lot of play action so Basaccia last week ran 24.6 percent of the plays were play action which I do really think set up guys for like Carr, who was 18 of 27, 341 yards, and it made those linebackers come in just for a split second and hit them deep. The Raiders still want to be able to really throw the ball down the field. I mean, that's just how their offense works. But I could still see Jacobs. He's going to be the lead dog. He's going to be getting 15, 16 carries a game. He's got a few injuries banged up on him. But the, the biggest point in today's or in Sunday's game with the Raiders and Eagles is how does the Raiders' interior offensive line – First-round pick, Alex Leatherwood, Andre James, who's right now, I believe, the worst center in football, according to the PFF. And then John Simpson, the fourth-round pick two years ago out of Clemson. How do they deal with Fletcher Cox and Hargrave? Because I said it the other day on my chat sports show, if you could give me right now almost any defensive tackle in the league minus Aaron Donald, I might go out and say it's Hargrave because he is just wrecking people this year. Yeah, he's been unbelievable, and that's kind of been – when the Eagles are playing well, it's Hargrave and Fletcher Cox and the defensive line being able to create pressure against opposing offensive sure. lines and getting after the quarterback. Speaking of a quarterback, Derek Carr has looked very good this year, I'd say, yep. uh, compared to years past. Do you think he's you know, the long-term guy? I think a lot of people had questions going into this year about Derek Carr being the guy who could sustain being the quarterback for the Raiders for a, a long period of time. Do you still think it's Derek Carr? moving forward or do you think the Raiders over the next couple of years could start looking in a different direction and moving away from Derek Carr sometimes we all just need to wind down after a long day of enjoying our favorite sports teams go to work and with the rise of streaming platforms new TV shows and movies are popping up every single week and it might be overwhelming not knowing exactly what to watch well, that's where streamer season comes in. The exclusive streaming platform 
discussion podcast for TV and movies on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Join me, KB, and a plethora of our hosts right here at USP breaking down all the new TV and movies that you guys should be watching across all the various streaming platforms that are available to the masses. Catch us on streamer season wherever you get your podcasts. It's one of those things that, I mean, since he's been the quarterback in 2014, it's been an absolute roller coaster ride. And, you know, I really think Derek is a really good quarterback. Now, I think he's a really good quarterback that is going to need a great team around him in order to win the Super Bowl. And if you need to go out and win a Super Bowl, I just I don't know if Derek's the guy to do it. Now, do I think he's a top 10 quarterback? Yes, I absolutely do. I think he's really learned this offense, and I think he's really taken advantage of everything that's happened where not too many people like to bring up the fact that Carr's never, and I mean never, had a top 20 defense. This is the only year he's ever had a top 20 defense. They're 4-2 and two right now. Then you got to go back and look at all the head coaches. He's had five different head coaches, four different offensive coordinators. That type of turnover, I don't care who you are. I mean, if anybody had that type of turnover in your own job, you would struggle trying to get reacclimated to it. So I, I got to give D.C. some credit there. The, the biggest thing, and I don't really think it has anything to do with Carr, so he's still got technically this year and the next year left on his contract. Next year he's scheduled to make $19.9 million, but he's got zero dead cap in. If, if I'm Las Vegas, I let him play again next year. Now, obviously, if they go out, they win the AFC West, they win a Super Bowl, win a few playoff games, this conversation is going to change. But usually a new head coach is going to step in they're going to bring in their own guys. They're going to go ahead and bring in their own staff. Now, if you could go out and draft somebody, the issue is this. I don't know how much you follow the NFL draft. There's not really a quarterback out there that I'm like, that, like that's the guy that yeah. I want. You know, there's there's a few names. We hear it all the time. But I'm like, I, I don't know if any of those guys are ready to step in for Carr. So, like, if a new head coach comes in and they want to bring in their own dude, I can understand that. But the way that I would do it, and I, you know, I hate saying this because it gets said way too often, but do what the Chiefs did with Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes, let Mahomes learn behind Alex Smith. Let a young player learn behind Derek Carr. You keep Carr in there. You let him be the starter. And then whenever that time comes, you know, then maybe, hey, you do hand the keys over to the young quarterback who got to learn behind somebody who is very, very intelligent like Carr. Because we're in the same boat, too. The Eagles are fortunate enough to potentially have an opportunity for three first-round picks this year uh, yep. in the upcoming draft. And obviously, Jalen Hurts, he's had his ups and downs, but he obviously – still hasn't played a full NFL season's worth of games yet in his NFL career. And people yeah. are already, you know, knocking down the door. Oh, we need to find a different quarterback. We need to go find a different quarterback. It's like, one, give the guy an opportunity to show what he can do with a full season. He's under his second coaching staff, and this coaching staff has zero experience across the board except for Jeff Stoutland in the positions that they're currently in. So that's also, you know, a knock against what Jalen Hurts is able to do in terms of progression right now. He's learning yep. along with this coaching staff. And even if you have three first-round picks in the NFL draft this year, the quarterback class this year is nothing like it was over the last two years. So it's almost like, you know, you kind of have to punt and build around the guy you have and then look, if it's not Jalen Hurts next year, then look towards what could potentially be out there. So I talk, I talk about Jalen Hurts a lot because I actually have uh, one of my colleagues at work at Chat Sports. Him and I made a bet because he's an Eagles fan, and I was like, who's going to have more touchdowns at the end of the year, total touchdowns, Jalen Hurts or Derek Carr? And, I mean, when I really think about it, Hurts right now, he's got 13, eight through the air, and then, uh, what, five on the ground. Mm -hmm. And he's been he's been very effective as a runner. My, my issue with Hurts has never been his running ability. It's always been, you know, is he 
good enough at the NFL level to be a solid passer. Like I think his decision making is a little bit lacking. The arm strength's there. Sometimes he goes for the the big play instead of the guaranteed play. I think would probably be my biggest knocks on him. Totally. I mean, he's 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 a good guy. Now I don't have a lot of confidence in Sirani or Sirianni, however the hell you pronounce his name, but you're not he's alone. He hasn't given me much confidence because I just, you know, I'm not just saying this because I like Penn State, and I'm not just saying this because I like Miles Sanders. If you can't watch the Eagles and you just watch him for five minutes, and if you can't tell me that Miles Sanders isn't the best player on that offense, I love Devonta Smith, but I really think like the offense needs to go through Miles Sanders, and we've seen it now for six weeks. And I understand how that guy. We, we sit here every week, and coach is like, "Oh yeah, we want to get him involved. Well, we want to get him more touches." That always makes me laugh because I'm like, "Is do you guys not have the ability to be able to put the ball in that man's hands?" So like, I, I like Hurts. I talk about him a lot, but I don't see him being the future personally. Will the Philadelphia Eagles? I haven't been the biggest fan of him, but one of the other biggest matchups to watch this week is how the Raiders' defensive line, who right now is ranked 25th in the league, and you know I think the Eagles were ranked like 28th in the league, how they're going to be able to do with with Miles Sanders. I love Kenneth Gainwell. He is a fun little scat back. I think far too often he gets compared to. Darren Sproles, because every single person that doesn't actually maybe watch football is like, oh, small running back, Darren Sproles. Yep. But he's got a lot of he's got a lot of juice in him too. So it'll be like that. Like that's the matchup. The whoever can win in the trenches up the middle. Because if the Raiders can stop, if he if they can stop Sanders and what they try to do running the ball, I just don't think that they're going to be good enough to be able to throw it around. But there's there's a lot of good matchups like Devonta Smith up against Casey Hayward. Great matchup. Darius Slay's been locking guys down. How he's going to do up against Henry Ruggs? I mean, this one—I know it's a four and two against a two and four team, but I've been—I've been doing my homework on this one. I'm—I'm I'm excited. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about you know Devontae Smith and and Henry Ruggs too. This week, Devontae came out and said Henry Ruggs is like his brother from another mother in the old Alabama it. matchup. Um, so I'm sure those two are going to be juiced up for this game, uh, in their own right. But speaking of Henry Ruggs, I think he's a guy that he was so highly touted coming out of that draft class. And it's one of those things where like, I feel like he doesn't get talked about nearly enough. Like he should be. I think he's one of the more talented young receivers in the league, but he doesn't get the pub and the notoriety that I think a lot of these young receivers get. Why do you think that is? I think it's two reasons. One, the first year left a little bit of a sour taste in a lot of people's mouth, 26 catches, but he had 456 yards, two touchdowns, and one of those touchdowns came against a really bad broken play by the New York Jets. Sure, it ended up winning them the game, but, you know, a lot of times you get that sour taste in your mouth. You're like, all right, well, I don't – until it's a full season, I'm not really going to believe it. And, I mean, if you've watched the Raiders this year, you have to be able to believe it because even in games where he doesn't touch the ball, when you have the speed that he does, and he's really been able to, like, click it together, I think, this year, there's teams that they just they respect it so much, which has really opened up things for, you know, Darren Waller is one of the best tight ends in the league. You know, people don't talk about that. Brian Edwards, Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, and um, Hunter Renfro all have over 300 receiving yards. Like, not many teams out there have four players over 300 receiving yards. Like, they're they're able to open it up. They're able to dish it out a little bit. But to me, the when Ruggs took that next step was his route running. His route running's got a lot better. But I also think the Raiders are using him in the right way. So if you guys haven't, if you guys don't follow me on Twitter, it's all good. You don't need to. It's Mitchell Ren three six five. You should. But... He's one of the better Twitter followers out there. <laughs> uh, you're, you're too kind. I, uh, I I posted a video of Greg Olson talking to Henry Ruggs, and Olson's like, you know, hey man, like you're way too talented. But the conversation reminded me a lot of like 
my dad and I, or like, you know, a coach that you grew up looking to and he can like, he's looking at this kid and he's like, man, this kid works his freaking tail off. He's in the gym. He's doing all these right things. You heard all the right things said even by Carr in the off season. I mean, Carr literally said that Henry Ruggs is the greatest player he has ever practiced with. And if you can put that practice now on the field, which you're seeing, it's definitely translating a little bit. But I think it's only a matter of time before people start putting rugs in that category of, you know, really, truly being a elite playmaker. I don't know if he'll ever be a top receiver, but one of my comps for uh, Henry actually coming out was Deshaun Jackson, where he's going to be like a straight line guy. He's a better route runner than Deshaun. I, I definitely think that, but where he can totally just flip the script of a game and all it takes is one catch him. Uh, the other comp that a lot of Raider fans like is Cliff Branch, where Cliff Branch holla, should be Hall of Fame receiver, struggled his first two years, and then just really balled out from there on out. With this Raiders passing offense, too, it like you know, you talk about three or four guys in this offense having 300 plus receiving yards. They seem yeah. to like to move the ball down the field a lot, and that obviously plays to Derek Carr's you know, gunslinger mentality. He can move the ball down the field. Do you like the fact that that is kind of the M.O. of this offense where you have guys like Ruggs and Hunter Renfro who can get deep down the field, can beat defensive backs and make those big plays? And then obviously Brian Edwards as well going out there and, you know, at any call of uh, of his, he's out there making a big play. And then obviously you have, like you said, Darren Waller, one of the best tight ends in the league who has really come into his own and made a name for himself. But it really seems like the Raiders like to move the ball in the air with those deep, big plays. Is that something that you know, would you say that's accurate? And two, would you say it's something that plays just to their strengths? We all know the traditional big four sports and we have our favorite teams and enjoy them each and every week during their seasons. But what if I told you the fastest growing sport on two feet doesn't involve football, baseball, basketball, or hockey? Come join me, Dom Ponteri, and Harrison Kremens as we break down the sport of the future each and every week on the Outside the Box podcast, talking all things pro and college lacrosse right here on the Underground Sports Philadelphia Podcast Network. Place of their strengths right now, absolutely. Uh, I mean, right now I believe Derek Carr leads the NFL with most passes over like 20 yards. I think he's got 18. He's got passer rating over 20 yards. And they've been able to really stretch it down the field. And it's for multiple reasons. One, their pass blocking line, like the, the guys up front, they can pass block a lot better than what they can run block. So, you know, instead of just trying to, okay, let's try to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, because Peyton Barber's averaging 3.9. And you got Kenyon Drake's averaging 3.3. And then Jacobs is averaging 3.2. I don't always look at yards per carry, but if every single running back in your team is getting hit behind the line, well, maybe you need to start running through the air a little bit more, which is what you've kind of seen the Raiders really try to do. And at the end of the day, I'm a believer where I want to lose and with the best guy. And if I got to lose with Eric Carr throwing it too much, you know what? I'm okay with that because I have a lot of confidence in Waller. I have a lot of confidence in Ruggs. I have a lot of confidence in Edwards and Renfro. So like at the end of the day, I would like to lose with those with those type of dudes instead of with our running game. Just it's it's where the strength is right now. And even and even the NFL, like actually I wish more teams and even the Raiders would do this more often, where if it's like third and twenty, third and fifteen, just throw a ball deep and hope to get a pass interference call. Like, especially when you have a guy like Ruggs or whoever where, you know, if you throw him deep, all it takes is one guy to have one bad step and if somebody holds him, it's a first down. I just think like that's where the NFL is going. It's why I want the Raiders to hire an OC-minded uh, coach, just because it's such an offensive-driven league right now. 
And the one guy that scares me this weekend in the offense isn't necessarily the receivers. It's Darren Waller. I mean, he's just a certified <laughs> playmaker. The, the Eagles linebackers that they have aren't necessarily the best in coverage. They don't have the speed, I think, to keep up with Darren Waller. What is it about just the way that Darren Waller's been able to, you know, take his game to the next level, really started as a guy who nobody really knew about and then burst onto the yeah. scene and just kept going? Like a lot of those guys who have those big seasons, it's like a one and done almost, or they'll have one more good season and then it kind of plateaus. Waller's been able to really take his game to where he's talked about in that pantheon of, you know, the elite tight ends. He's like the guy that's right behind Travis Kelsey every year. What is it about his work ethic and what he's able to bring to the table that just makes him so damn good? So I've talked to two or three Raiders players that are, you know, I considered my close friends. And um, when they talk about Waller, they just kind of bring up, he's just, he's a freak, right? Like, and I just don't think six six guys that are two fifty that can run a four four and just do all the right things, you know, like those type of guys, like they just don't grow on trees. And the biggest thing that hurt Waller when he was, you know, a young player was he was uh, addicted to you know a lot of things that he shouldn't have been addicted to, right? And I don't know anybody that's struggling with that type of lifestyle, but Waller now has been very vocal about it. He's come out, you know, he's clean, he's doing this, he's helped out Max Crosby, who said that Max was dealing with some alcohol issues, and you know, Max is staying clean. I just think it comes down to Waller growing up, right, where I was in, I was kind of a, a schmuck when I was 20, 21 years old. Like, you don't really realize it. And then you're like, oh, crap, I'm a grown-ass man. I got to start waking up a little bit and start taking care of myself. And to be honest with you, I think that's all it was with Waller, where he always had the tools. He always had the athletic ability. It just took that light bulb to go on and be like, you know what? I'm literally throwing away my life. And I've made this example before on the Raiders report where – you know, you see a guy, he's got all the talent in the world, Josh Gordon. We knew he's got all the talent in the freaking world just for whatever reason. It just never quite worked out. Darren Waller was the exact opposite of that, where he had all the talent in the world, fell down, but he picked himself back up, and now he just continues to be one of the best in the league. But the other reason why I respect the hell out of Waller, Waller is he just he says all the right things, he does all the right things, and he's quiet. And he's quiet right now in a league that's just filled with guys who, I don't know, like to open their mouth that shouldn't be talking or just people that don't appreciate, I think, legitimately how how lucky they are. And I know this is an NFL show, but the whole thing going on right now with Ben Simmons makes me just want to absolutely go crazy where, you know, I get the idea that you're not happy. But at the end of the day, you're getting paid four years, you know, 100 and what, it's like 73. He's just making a million dollars. So much money and coming off a year where 2020, where I met a lot of people that lost their jobs and they're dealing with like actual big time problems, you know, for you to act the way that you do. Like, that's why another reason why I give credit to Waller, where they gave him an extension. He was like, man, I just want to play for the Raiders. And that was it. So Waller's my favorite player. No doubt. Yeah, we had Jason Kelsey, who's kind of like in that pantheon for us. Like he's our guy. And like he came out yesterday, uh, which... You know, just Good. said, hey, we'll fucking love you if, you if you play well and you just embrace everything and you just go to work. And um, that's a matchup, too, that I'm really looking at is this Eagles offensive line against the Raiders defensive line. Like you said, the Raiders D line, they've had their ups and downs this year. What are you looking to see from them going up against an Eagles O line that isn't 100 percent healthy, but they are getting Lane Johnson back this week? Yeah. Um, what are you looking for in that matchup with the Raiders D line against the Eagles? 
to get the whole podcast hosted by Steve McAvoy and John Mavalia. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Get In The Whole Pod and be on the lookout for a ton of great content keeping you up to date on the world of golf. Releasing weekly a part of the Underground Sports Philadelphia family of podcasts wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I, mean, I really think you can make the argument right now that Max Crosby deserves to be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, Max is – he's just incredible. He leads the league right now in quarterback pressures, quarterback hits. He's only got five sacks, and I say only, but his his engine is just relentless. Like, he's just a dude that never, ever gives up, and he just never gives up on a play. And you're like, like that's kind of guy I want. Then you got Unique Gakwe, who you can say what you want. I mean, he's been pretty good this year, too. I still think he's one of the best edge rushers in the league. Where they, where they struggle is the interior defensive tackle. Now, I believe that they're going to go ahead and get back um, Jonathan Hankins, who missed last week. Quentin Jefferson's been battling an injury. Solomon Thomas, he's actually been pretty darn good for us this year. But if I'm the Raiders and I really want to stop this Eagles offense, I'm going to take a page out of what they did up against Lamar Jackson. And you go back and look at a lot of the times Gus Bradley with the Chargers has actually dealt with Lamar, dealt with mobile quarterbacks. They run this, like, cover three style and then I'm going to make another basketball term here where they play like a QB spy, but like a box and one where the entire defense, they play like this zone. And they have one guy locked in. And I mean, only one guy locked in on Lamar, Jalen Hurts. I believe that's going to be Denzel Perrin. And it's also going to be Jonathan Abram. It's probably going to be a switch because if you can figure out who it is right away, it makes the defense easier to, to figure out what you're doing. But I'm running the QB spy on Jalen. I'm not going to let him pick up first downs. I believe right now he's got like 21 first downs with his legs. So, um, make them make them beat you with your arm, but the defensive line really needs to be able to step up in this one because if you're going to be giving up five six yards per carry to Sanders and Gainwell, could be a long day. Yeah, and I ask everybody that's been on the show this year just because it is so different for the Eagles this year to have the type of players we have on offense. How do you view the Raiders' defense matching up with the speed that the Eagles present on offense with Devonte Smith, with a Quez Watkins, Jalen Rager, Kenneth Gainwell, Miles Sanders? And now Dallas Goddard being tight end one after the Zach Ertz trade. Yeah, I mean, they the Eagles have a lot, a lot of speed. And I, I was talking about this yesterday on my on my show as well, where you know, Devonta Smith gets a lot of credit and you got a lot, and he's a good player. Quez Watkins was one of my biggest sleepers in the draft. And I mean, he's just he's from a small school. I forget what school he's from, but uh that I guess it doesn't matter. But as soon as I saw him in the preseason, he had like one play in the preseason where he took like a 79-yard ball up the up the sidelines, took it to the house, and I was like, oh, crap. And all my sleeper picks for Quez Watkins, that's just going to go right out the window, right? But the Raiders, Nate Hobbs, their rookie, he's been phenomenal in the slot. The, the, the battle to watch is who's going to be the opposite corner because I really think Casey Hayward's going to be able to shut out Devonta Smith. He's been that good this year. Him and Slay, I think, have been probably the top two corners in the league. Him and Ramsey, even, I could throw in there. It's the other cornerback position because the Raiders aren't going to have Trayvon Mullen. You can say what you want about Damon Arnett. So, like, the depth's getting down there. Their other guy, Amik Robertson, he's a little bit smaller. He got roasted last week. So then they went to this guy named Brandon Faison, who's got some connections with with Gus and uh, the Raiders' defensive coordinator. I anticipate the Raiders and the Eagles' game plan to be very similar on offense, where I'm not going to throw near Darius Slay. You guys aren't going to throw an ear Casey Hayward. It's just how are all those other little matchups going to be able to get handled. And the Raiders linebackers have done a good job stopping the run, but they've struggled a little bit being able to stop the, the coverage. So I'm a little bit worried about those matchups. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how 
the Eagles present themselves. Because like you said, they're going to kind of go with that Lamar Jackson spy style of defense on Jalen. He's been fantastic avoiding pressure. I think he's fourth in the league in terms of just getting hit this year. Uh, fourth best. He's avoided getting hit even with all the Eagles offensive line struggles. So that's been a positive for him, just staying upward and staying healthy. Um, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how the Raiders present themselves and giving him more opportunities to grow in his young NFL career. Cause like we said earlier in the show, he hasn't even played a full 16, 17 game schedule yeah. in his entire career yet. So we'll see how he plays in a hostile uh, Vegas Raiders environment as well. First time the Eagles head out to Vegas. And I know you're coming towards retiring your, uh, your Chucky heads, but uh, we've, we've started asking some fun quirky questions on Eagles enemies this year. So I have to ask you if you had to give Rich Basaccia uh, a Halloween horror uh, mascot, who would you pick for, for Bisaccia? So the most common name that I've been getting for Bisaccia is Goldberg, the wrestler. I don't watch a lot of wrestling, but apparently he looks pretty close to Goldberg. So I've had a few people like, oh, you're going to do Goldberg heads. I'm like, nah, I ain't doing coaches anymore. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, when I do my show, we talk about news, we talk about rumors, and I give it a scale. So if it's four chalky heads, I would say, believe it, baby, it means I think that rumor's true. Like, I don't know, the Eagles giving up three first-round picks for Deshaun Watson, right? I'd probably go ahead and say, like, oh, that's like one Chucky head, small shred of truth. So, like, but now I'm getting rid of the Chucky heads, and I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do exactly. I'm going to let the the audience kind of kind of figure that one out. But now, Basaccia, I'm going to go with Goldberg. Yeah, and, I mean, you got plenty of new Halloween horror movies coming out over the next couple months, too, to potentially tag him with a new, uh, you know, Halloween villain as well. <laughs> Top bins, top tier commentary. Top drawer, upper 90. You already down. know. You it's already more of a term, isn't know. I think that's how it always goes. We like, went like 45 minutes and we were at like Chelsea. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Um, I'm Dominic Ponteri. I am Matt Kessler. And we are here to talk about Champions League soccer today. Hey, it's Top Ben's time. What's up? We're back. I mean, I was actually going to be Chucky for Halloween. My girlfriend and I, we we're going to do like Chucky, Bride of Chucky, and then our dog's name's Chuck. Uh, no no connection with, with uh, Gruden, though. I promise you that. Um, but now we're, we're going to go to a different costume. So I think I'm going to go. We're going to try to do Squid Game. I don't know if you've watched the yep, show Squid love Game. It. Love it. Yeah, I, I don't know if I was one of the first people to start watching it, but uh, definitely started watching it. Do you watch it with – do you watch it in English? Or do you watch it like in Korean with like the subtitles? I did Korean with the subtitles. Good. All right. That's good. That's 
because I was watching it the other day with my buddies in English, and I'm like, this is more of a comedy. I'm like, this is not yeah. even close. It sounds but... like the it sounds like the TikTok filter voice, <laughs> dude. It's <laughs> it's gonna be nuts. Like they're they're definitely gonna come out with a second one. I'm not gonna spoil oh, they anything. Have to. They have to. I think they spent like 20 million to make it. And it, it ended up making, I think, close to a billion dollars. So Yeah, it's like, like on the verge of a billion, like 142 million uh, Netflix accounts have watched the show. It's absolutely insane. If you haven't seen it, it is the most crazy show that you will ever watch. And ever. apparently there's a, a Japanese version, similar type show on Netflix as well, called Alice in Borderland that I'm going to give a go to. Uh, oh, similar see, I didn't vibe. know this. Yeah, a lot of people said if you like Squid Game, you'll love Alice in Borderland. Okay, I'm gonna have to write that down. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that before my flight tomorrow. Shit, that's awesome. Definitely gonna have to check that out, Mitch. You're the absolute best. Looking forward to this game. I'm sure we'll be talking on Sunday throughout. But let everybody know where they can check you out on social media and where they can check your show on Chat Sports. Well, I'll first say this: if there's any Eagle fans that are gonna be coming out to to Vegas, I'm gonna be at Red Tail at Resorts World. I'm gonna be out there the entire year and. Basically, I know tickets to Raiders games are pretty expensive, so we want to be able to do something where we bring like a tailgate, watch party style of film. We usually get probably like 100,000 people to watch the live show, and then you know we'll get probably 400 people in this like restaurant and bar style of area. If you guys want the, the hookup, just message me, Instagram, Twitter, MitchellRens365. I think at the end of the day, content creators just want their viewers to have as good of a time as humanly possible, which is why I think the Raiders report and all these shows that that we do over at chat sports do so well we're interactive we like to have fun but at the end of the day i like doing stuff like this too so if anybody out there has a podcast show please 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 hit me up and i got the raiders winning 27 21 what do you got for me i think it's going to be close i i like that score i i think the raiders do end up do do end up winning. i think it's going to be i'm gonna i'm gonna go 31 27 all right because i believe the Last time I saw Raiders were three point favorites and the over under was set at 49 or 49 and a half. And it's uh, this it it could be a game where I could see it being a little bit lower scoring. But then the NFL sometimes gets so wonky where you're just like, all right, low scoring game, low scoring game. And then bang, points happen. But the Raiders first time in 12 games last week, they scored on their opening drive. So if they could start out hot, they're going to be tough to beat. But if they start out slow again, they've. uh, they've got a reputation for when they start slow it can get ugly so and they love those overtime games (laughs) oh my god (laughs) hey i mean i'm all for it it gives me extra views gives me extra time to get some screen time so it's all good extra reps exactly so make sure you guys follow mitch on twitter at mitchell rents 365 check out everything he's doing at chat sports and uh it's going to be a fun game on sunday eagles and raiders uh mitch appreciate you hopping on the show yeah man have a good one Thank you guys for listening and checking out Eagles Enemies. The support for this show is the reason it sticks around year after year. Make sure you guys are following us on social media at UndergroundPHI on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. Make sure you check out our website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com, for all of our written content. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast, Be a Friend, Tell a Friend. And subscribe, 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 and leave a five-star rating and review to let us know how you're feeling about each and every Eagles matchup throughout the season. We hope you guys enjoy Season 4 of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia, and we'll catch you on the gridiron next week. Go Birds! <laughs>